stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Becky Lynch has immediately lost her title as world's baddest woman. Enter Sophia Flourish. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Yes, it's that voice again. It's me. And uh, it's good to be back, everybody. It's your friendly neighborhood returning host, Andre Harrison, back after a two-week hiatus. Pleasure to be back, everybody. Um, the good news is is that uh, my seat was kept warm. The bad news was it was it was kept warm by a farting controversy by the hands of RJ O'Connell. RJ, what have you got to say? For <laughs> Don't track me. No, no, nah, nah. we could still call. We we could still call security, RJ. It's like, what is he doing here? It's like, did he did he come here to crash? But how you doing, Dre? <laughs> I am very well, to be fair. You know, the uh, Patrick Power is keeping me very busy at work at the moment, which is always a good sign. Um, but uh, I am back to uh, restore order and bring balance to the force. And basically to get caught up on two weeks worth of motorsport-related news, general housekeeping, and to actually talk about Macau, because that's a fun one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just just like just to catch me up on things, right? Brazilian Grand Prix was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good time, wasn't it? <laughs> it like, all comes back to the Waybridge. <laughs> that wasn't so fun. I was like, Seb, what are you doing? You impatient man, for God's sake. Um, that was fun. So Lewis Hamilton almost turning Sergei Strokin into a catapult. That was fun. Um, and uh, basically Max Verstappen being a new contributor to Fight Club. Like, th- that was very fun. Like you guys didn't play down that fight, did you? <laughs> nah, we 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 went blow for blow for all three blows. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I'd expect nothing less from my co-hosts. <laughs> Way to keep the brand alive, fellas. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yes. Um. My message to Twitter is: uh, stop pretending to be mad at fights, you goddamn peasants. <laughs> Half of you motherfuckers were laughing when Nelson PK went kung fu <laughs> after that time he was taken out in a Grand Prix. And you're telling me, oh no, fights are bad. No. Somebody sent me a DM on Twitter saying I need anger management because I actually thought the fight was funny. <laughs> anger management. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we said on the show, we we don't we don't condone violence, but when violence happens, <laughs> I am here to make fun of it. Like, I, like I am not mad that people fight. That's what human beings do. Like, I'm not saying go out and punch the man in the face. Well, I am don't saying, do that. Don't do no, that. What I am saying is, if you punch that man in the face, I will be there in the background to laugh at you. Because fights are funny a lot of the time. It's like, like let's not forget, this is a show where one of the most heavily requested segments in episode 150 was our segment on Kyle Busch versus Joey Logano. <laughs> I'm just... And we rarely cover NASCAR. And we don't cover NASCAR very often on this show, and yet a NASCAR moment made our 150th episode. More on Joey Logano later in the show. But uh, that was a fun race, unless you're a Sebastian fan like me, in which case, God damn it, Ferrari, fix your goddamn senses. Um, <laughs> oh, that wasn't fun. But uh, shout out to Max Verstappen. He's, he's, he's a good driver. Who'd have thought it? Um, 
Shout out to Esteban Ocon for getting on everybody's motorsport shit list very quickly, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> and shout out to <laughs> and shout out to Lewis Hamilton for now winning fifty out of the ninety nine hybrid era races. May the good Lord help us all. <laughs> flip a coin, Lewis Hamilton's probably won that race. You have a better than coin flip chance of that now. Like that is <laughs> that is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> that is, that is a thing. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, but more general housekeeping to take care of. First of all, um, for those guys that were fans of actually wanting to see me in person, in which case you really don't want to do that. But if if you really, really do believe in that, I will be back at Autosport International um, in the second week of January. I will be there for at least two days, most likely. Um, there representing Motorsport 101 on a badge. Pretending to be an actual journalist. So I will be down there um, with a press pass um, representing the media. <laughs> That's a good joke, isn't it? Like, me representing a podcast and the media in, 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 a, in a car show. Like, what could possibly go wrong here? Um, but uh, I'll be back there next year. And I, I, met, I met a good half dozen of you there last year. So um, I will be around. Get in touch on on the social medias if you want to see me in person, and we can ship post sports together because that's that's always fun. Um, so if you want to do that, then that is a thing. Um, I'll be back for that. I think that's I think it's January tenth. I want to say it starts. I think it's the second week in January. Either way, so you guys can look forward to that. So that would be that would be fun indeed, and uh, if you haven't seen it already, episode 70, 87, I should say, of Bike Live is now available as well. It is our World Superbike season review of twenty eighteen. It's known as Ray the Fourth. Can't possibly imagine why. And uh, it's me, Lewis Sudderby, and we got Greg Haynes in for an hour and forty minutes. Greg Haynes does the Lord's work. Greg, I know you're listening. We love you, man. You are too friggin' nice to us. Seriously, far too nice. Um, we, we, he was meant to give us an hour. He gave us an hour forty. He's just far too generous. Um, so he came on in our pokey little motorsport show again to review the 2018 Super Sport. So Super Sport, ah, Super Super Bike season, I should say. I'm rusty. I've been out for a fortnight. Sue me. But uh, all of that. Jonathan Ray basically laying waste to the opposition. Again, um, the fallout with Tom Sykes, Ducati not winning around after Aragon, the rise of Michael Vandermark, and a lot of hype towards 2019 as well with the uh, big news of uh, Honda and HRC putting their backing back into the series. BMW joining as a factory for next year, which is going to be all sorts of exciting with Tom Sykes and Marcus Reiterberger on board that. Um, and as well, the uh, Ducati and the brand new V4 Panigale, a 221 brake horsepower road bike with wings on it. It's almost like they built it to win in World Superbikes or something. Just throwing that theory out there. Um, you know, so that's fun. So that would be episode 87. Um, and including a Nostradamus prediction from one Lewis Sudderby towards the end that will become very relevant on next week's show. Especially if you watched the Moto3 race this past weekend at Valencia. Just throwing that out there. Episode 87 of Bike Live is available right now on SoundCloud, where all good podcasts are available. Places you can find us real quick are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at uh, motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to find our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD. 
at RJ O'Connell and at Ryan Eric King. Uh, that's with two Ks. And if you really, really like us, you could back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live. And if you back us at the $10 level, you get access to our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out, as Brian, Cam, and Jason are right now. Thanks for joining us, guys. Hope you enjoy the show. Whew. God, does that cover everything here, boys? Am I am I missing other things? Like, like, like RJ, do you want to talk about going price within some darts? <laughs> um, I I do feel like big shouty Welsh boy needs to be photoshopped over the mountains. Uh, <laughs> the ones from the music video for Big Enough, you know, the one with the screaming cowboy meme. It's that, but it's just pictures of Gerwin Price yelling. Oh, and also, you might have missed uh, Fred's back. Fred's back at the five hundred. Yeah, that, that that is nice. Like I like people opposing me stuff. I like people opposing me things. I've not been here for two weeks. It's great. I feel all special and wanted inside. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to have Fred back. I'm, not, I'm like I'm look. You people that know me well know I am not the biggest endorser of Fernando Alonso's collective shit, but I do also recognise the. Uh, they also recognise what he brought to the table with IndyCar last year. He was a fantastic presence for the sport at the 500. It says a lot when 250,000 people in Indianapolis are giving you a stand innovation, even though you DNF'd. Um, like, yeah, like Alonso won the respect of a lot of people that year. It was a great time. He very nearly won the damn thing. Um, if you needed any more cementing that Fernando is a great driver, then yeah, it was a it was a great time. It was a great time. It was great fun. And our friends got um, to see him riding around on a motorized skateboard in Gasoline Alley. <laughs> I'm so jealous of Sarah and Lizzie. You have no idea. One of these days, I will drag my ass to an Indianapolis 500, even though I'm scared of planes. Uh, one of these days, it will happen. If I can do Bruno, I can do Indianapolis. One of these days. One of these days. But uh. Yes, motorized skateboards, really cool racing shoes, and stealing Marco Andretti's setup. And it ended up working beautifully. Better than Marco did. Who would have thought it? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm delighted he's coming back. He's a great presence for the race. And, uh, you know, I, I am all for these uh, little cameo appearances now once a year. I mean, there's still a lot of talk that Tony Stewart is really serious about doing this in 2020, which... Uh, could be fun um, and whatnot. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all for these cameos. Cameos are fun, and motorsport, goddammit, it, needs some fun. So uh, yeah, I'm here for all of that. So great to have Fernando back. Uh, mentioning the darts quickly because we 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 are big endorsers. We are big endorsers of the darts on this podcast, especially given that darts kind of went viral this past weekend. Given that uh, a lot of American types picked up on this as well, the farting controversy. Like Gary Anderson accused of farting on stage during a darts match, and it goes viral. <laughs> I guess uh, darts is amazing. Everybody, like it's um, my favorite non-athletic uh, pub game turned into a sporting spectacle. I love it. It's it's amazing. For those that saw it, we will be doing a, a like a March Madness esque bracket challenge for the world championship, which starts on December thirteenth. December Madness is upon us. It's coming. 
Yep, that'll be December 13th. It is a 96-person tournament this year. It's even bigger than the 72 it was last year. It's 96. Two guaranteed female entries as well. We saw Anastasia Domov Slyo um, qualify for that as well over the weekend, which is cool. Um, but uh, yeah, Gerwin Price actually winning something at the darts and then basically going... That's the thing. Gerwin Price's gimmick is, is that every time he scores more than 100, he basically goes Super Saiyan. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like, he will pose and he will stunt and like it winds people up. I'm it, telling it is you, like... screaming cowboy meme, just Photoshop him over the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> he is basically the screaming cowboy meme. It is fantastic. Every time he scores more than 100... He clenches and goes, come on, at everything. It is fantastic. I love it. Like, mostly because it pisses people off and it's peak gamesmanship, but it is allowed in darts. Everybody hates him for it. The crowd hates him for it, but he's playing well enough to well, back it up. Uh, well, and as we've learned over the weekend, that's not the peak of gamesmanship in darts. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. Want to tell us more, all, all, all of a sudden, All of a sudden, Justin Pipe no longer just has to cough behind his opponents when he can load up on Taco Bell and bake beans. <laughs> it's a strategy. Who would have thought it? Like, because Darts totally doesn't have an image problem, guys. Not in the slightest. But, uh, yeah. Like, if you haven't seen Gerwin Price play in the final, go YouTube, go YouTube it. It's a fun time. Because, uh... He basically goes Super Saiyan every time he scores more than 100. And, like, Gary Anderson looked like he wanted to fight him after that final. I thought there is going to be a fight in the parking oh lot after God. the game. I saw that. Like, like, okay, for those of us that don't know, Gary Anderson is Scottish. I just thought I'd add that extra context. And he, like, I love Scotland because they're guys that are disgustingly nice, as Zoe will attest. Or they want to chin you at every given opportunity. Every Scot will back me up on this. There's over two modes. either disgustingly nice or they're going to punch you in the jaw. Anderson was laughing to us. I was like, he's going to kill him. He is going to rip his head off. But the thing is, because Gerwin Price used to play professional rugby, <laughs> you can't really fight him because unlike most darts players... Gerwin Price is jacked. It's, 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 he is 5 foot 10 inches tall and about 5'10 wide. It, it's, he's built like a shithouse. You can't, like, yeah. It's like, like, if you, it's like if you throw a light blue polo shirt over Brock Lesnar and told him to switch sports. Yeah, like, it's, it looks funnier because Price is so much shorter than Brock. Like Lesnar's, like, 6'3", and, like, Gerwin Price is, like, 5 foot 9. But, like, like... It is 5'9", and it looks like you could rip your head off, Gerwin Price, if you didn't know any better. Um, professional rugby players are tough in that sense. So no one is fighting that man on stage, because you're going to lose. So he gets what he gets away with it. It's brilliant. It's, it's, it's peak gamesmanship, and I'm here for all of it. So if you haven't seen that, check it out already. December Madness is coming in uh, three weeks' time, and I, and I can't wait to get stuck into that. Just watch how... Oh, and shout out to uh, our friend and yours and our favourite darts player, Dimitri Vandenberg, for hitting a nine-darter in, in, in the, in the quarterfinals. That was fucking awesome. We love dancing, Dimitri. <laughs> like, I love that kid. He's such an adorable guy. He really is. I love him. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm here for all of that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm just about caught up. I'm going to sit back for the next 20 minutes. And let RJ and King talk about the madness that was the 65th running of the Macau Grand Prix. Right after this.
Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of alloy missiles being hurled into objects at uh, at high velocity, yeah, with we could flourish in fury. <laughs> oh, see, she's so she's okay. We could joke about this now. Yes, she is okay, and it's it's a miracle that this happened. It's not a miracle that this wreck happened. It's a miracle that, for the most part, the uh, the principal figures that were all involved in it are okay. Like, luckily, the worst part is I think Sophia will probably take more mental damage from a coronal brother hitting on her on Twitter than the actual crash Uh, itself. uh, (laughs) Like, yeah. She's like, oof. Dear God. Um, Less said about that, the better. But uh, it's been obviously the big talking point of Macau this weekend for obvious reasons. Um... Like it's it's you know it it says a lot, King, that I'm at work talking about this, not even knowing about motorsport, and my colleague pulls it up on Facebook, seeing the accident, <laughs> and has does you know, my man Drew, like who I work with at work. Hi Drew, if you're listening, um, like he he doesn't watch Formula One so much anymore. He doesn't really watch motorsport, which is a bit of MotoGP, but he doesn't watch it anymore because he doesn't want to pay money for BT Sport. Like, it just randomly showed up on his Facebook feed, and it was the overhead shot. Of Sophia Foresh's car literally flying into the barricade. And I was like, it has gone viral. Like, holy shit. Um, that's how crazy it was. Like, he pointed out to me a crash that I had already seen, and I'm the motorsport guy. Oh my god. Um, RJ, talk us through it, man. Jeez, if anything I haven't okay. seen already, jeez. Yeah. So, this is with 12 laps to go in the title race of the Macau Grand Prix. We are just getting back from a, from a safety car restart. Dan Tickham is leading the field ahead of Sasha Fenestras and Joel Erickson. And behind them, Sophia Florsch, who is in her Bacow debut, is racing against uh, Jehan Daravala for position. The two of them make contact, which uh, which sends Florsch's car up, up, and uh, up into the oncoming path of the, uh, of the sausage curbs up at the tight right-hander known as Lisboa, which is often a place where many uh, traffic jams happen. This is also at the end of the fastest point of the circuit where cars, Formula 3 cars, are traveling upwards of 270 kilometers an hour. Yeah, that's 117 Queen's English. Yeah. 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 So, Flourish gets clipped, uh, sends a wheel off, and she is on an absolute path to to an awful accident. In the way, there is uh, the Tom's car of Shosu Boy, the All Japan F3 champion, um... Flourish's car actually climbs over the top of Suboy's car. Um, Suboy actually gets a little scratch on the helmet for his trouble, and Flourish goes right into the catch fence, right into this foam barrier that's uh, that's set this bunker that's set up to uh, to protect from such a thing happening, and just goes straight into it. Yeah, yeah, like half the roof comes off the bunker. Uh... Pretty much the car comes down right onto the sidewalk, kind of resting on the sidewalk side of the barrier. Uh, Sophia's moving the car. She p- tries to cover up the fire extinguisher because she know, like, she believes there isn't a fire. So she tries to cover it up because she's completely doused in fire retardant. There's a low angle version of the clip where you see mm. Florsch's, her left, her left front's just gone. Her both her, the left side of the car's just destroyed. And she ramps over the top of the nose cone of Shosa Boy's car and just goes back end first right into this bunker at over, and had to be at least 150 miles per hour. Yeah, because, uh, 
so she was registered because when they made contact, it was before the speed trap is. So she was registered going through the speed trap in reverse with one with three wheels at 276.2 kilometers an hour. That's 172 miles an hour, kids. That is... How on earth <laughs> is, is she relatively okay? I do not understand. Holy shit. Um, in real time, it is absolutely terrifying to watch. Like, there is no doubt about it. And, um, yeah, um, as as we're recording this at 10pm British Standard Time on uh, November 19th, she's just come out of a seven-hour operation, um, according to motorsport.com. Um, looks like from what I'm hearing, King, she cracked a vertebrae, but no actual spinal damage, which... No actual spinal damage, and in a press conference, the medical staff have reported that surgery was successful, all her limbs are active, like, yeah, she's, besides the broken vertebrae, she's fine. How? Like, it's, like, I don't understand how, but that is, um, that's a miracle right there that she's... She looks like she's going to make a full recovery, which is obviously fantastic news. Um, so I'm pretty sure a lot of people are wondering, how do we end up in this situation? Cause, because mm. uh, it was not on TV cameras. No. The cameras had already moved down to the next corner, San Francisco. Uh, if you're watching live, you just see a silver blur across the screen in the background. Yeah. And you just hear the crash. You don't see anything. It was pretty much... Almost everyone recorded the accident on their cell phone, and luckily enough, uh, we got the right camera angle, and we were able to see that, uh, yeah, she ran into the back of uh, Javalu, uh, and after the after the race, uh, Guang Yuzhao, the driver behind them, said that uh, said that one of the marshals had mistakenly waved a yellow flag and Travalo had started to slow down and oh, no. Sophia was too close to him to react. Oh no. Oh Jesus. That is that's horrifying. Um yeah. Oh no. So it was a marshal's accidental screw up that set up this chain of events. That is uh that's not good. Um that's that's saddening. Um again like Thankfully, like, Sophia's like she's going to make a full recovery, um, which is fantastic news. Again, the out there's been an outpouring of support on, on the Twitter. It's like, it's quite scary when Robert Wickens is out here to, um, tweeting, <laughs> get well soon to Sophia. Um, it's quite scary in that sense, but it's also quite um, warming at the same time, shall we say. But, uh, yeah, I'm also, I'm saying as well, thanks to seem to seem like Shosha Boy's um, car as well after the accident. Very grateful that the F3 cars are getting the halo next year. That's um, right. that's all I'm saying. Because uh, yeah. oh lord, um, yeah, the tire marks come right behind his helmet, yeah. and he did say that Flourish's car made contact. He was taken to hospital with back pain, but he's just been discharged and will make a full recovery as he should because uh, he's to- one of Toyota's best and brightest prospects. Photographer Hiroyuki Miyami uh, was taken in with a concussion. Um, photographer Chan Wang Wang had a liver laceration, and Marshal Chan Cha In suffered a facial fractured facial bone and lacerations. And that's uh, and considering the nature of that accident, that's a that's a best case scenario. Yeah, that's the best case scenario. Jesus, because I I don't want to go into speculation, but I pretty much have to address this because Autosport uh, posted an an analyst. Uh, analysis article about the about the accident oh, no. from I think Jonathan Noble 
posted it, and pretty much uh, he speculated that the Lisbo was new this year, slightly new, because there's sausage curves this year. The organizers put them there to uh, avoid people abusing the inside track limits, especially the GT and the touring cars. Um, pretty much, uh, he speculates that the accident could have been worse if the sausage curves weren't there, and she went straight, straight into a Superboy's car. Oh my goodness! Damn. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's bad that they are that the car got launched up like mm. that. But man, that could have that really could have been much worse, couldn't it? Have, Wouldn't yeah. it like six inches like to the right of Showboy's car? And we're probably having a very different conversation about that race. Yeah, because five years ago, Lisboa was slightly different. The bunker was not there. Uh, the catch fencing was actually lower. Um, yeah, it could have been way worse. Ugh. It's crazy. It is It is crazy. But, uh, again, luckily. But, yeah, I think we should talk about the race, because there was a race. Yeah, there was a race. Yeah. <laughs> Amazingly. As it turns out, as it turns out, Daniel Tictum is very good at driving Formula 3 cars around Macau. Last time, it was kind of a miracle of all miracles. Sorry, King, for your boy, Ferdinand Hatch. Yes. This time... It was uh, it was more assertive. He oh won my god! Position, he qualified fastest. He pretty much led this race wire to wire. Yeah. So not only he he won pole position for the qualifying race. He won the qualifying race. Got fastest lap in the qualifying race. Won the main race and had fastest lap in the main race. This here is what you call domination. It's all about the power of skill and concentration. <laughs> um, to quote Ezekiel Jackson's old WWE theme. Um, yeah, like, Jesus Christ, this was Tictum's weekend all over. And, uh, yeah, dominant from start to finish. And uh, lights the flag victory. Can't say any more than that. And uh, on a tangent here for a second, like, this has obviously put a lot of Tictum's future sp- speculation back up in the air again. Because, it, you know, it's looking like... As you alluded to in the Discord a couple of days ago, King, it's like we're going to get the Dan Tictum Winter Series World Tour. <laughs> right. Dan Tictum now has 35 super license after a clarifying point uh, that was made here to count just what we are counting in terms of his super license points from 2016 to 18 or from 2017 to 19. Mm. Um, and as it turns out, with his, uh, with his two victories in Macau and with his runner-up finish in the European Formula 3 Championship, he now has... 35 super license points which of course would qualify him for free practices but he is five away from getting that elusive 40 and getting that sweet sweet uh toro rosso drive oh boy so like king as as you alluded to some sort of winter series you know to get the five points he would need to qualify i mean it's kind of obvious that toro rosso and red bull kind of want him in an f1 seat as soon as possible especially given um their current pickle when it comes to talent management. Um, so I believe his only clear path to being in a Formula One race seat for the 2019 season would to be to participate in the Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand. That'd be the only way he'd get the points in time. If he becomes champion of that series, he would get seven super license points. Runner up, he would get five. So he'd have to finish top two in that championship. Yeah, let me just run down a list of recent names that have won this Toyota Racing Series. They include, in 2015, Lance Stroll, and in 2016, Lando Norris. Hmm. 
So it's a path that others have gone down before as well, but um, not necessarily with yeah, this. Not yeah, go on, King. Yeah, not with this gravity. Yeah, exactly. not with like a must win. It's kind of like just to get some track time in during the winter months. Yeah, and Tickham's got other options too. Like, let's say if that doesn't pan out, he's gone on the record as saying he's like a hundred percent certain he'll be racing in Super Formula next year full time. He did two races for Team Mugen. And he's going to have a Red Bull back car. Speculation flared up when Motor Park Academy, his team in Formula 3, announced they were going to partner with BMATS Racing to enter Super Formula. But it doesn't even look like he's going to be running with that team. It looks like he might be going to Red to, uh, to Team Mugen full-time next season. And, of course, yeah. if that doesn't play out, he could still get a Formula 2 drive. That's true. <laughs> he could still go to Formula 2. <laughs> That's the way it's going right now. Why would anyone want to be in Formula Two? Like, like there's, there's not exactly a lot of ringing endorsements for that series right now. Given, as as our friend of the show Josh put it, it's like the distinction between big and little in Formula Two seems to be getting bigger by the year. Um, so that's probably not. I, I, I don't. I personally don't see Dan going down that road. But uh, I think it would be different from him because he would be one of the bigs. He would be in one oh, of yeah. his top tier seats. Oh yeah, definitely. Though, yeah, there's cl- yeah, there is a distinction that either you're going to get a rocket ship strapped to you where you're uh, Alex Alabon and you pretty much have the pick pick of the lot between like, hey, should I do X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. Whew. So, like, so uh, how, how are we feeling about the possibility of Dan Tictum in F1 next year? Are we, are we, are we all like, I bet we all can't wait, right? Right? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Because he's clearly a special talent. When he has his head screwed on straight, Dan Tictum can be as good as anybody that Red Bull have brought up. Absolutely. Like, they would not have been scouting him right out of Formula 4 before that incident <clears throat> um, if they didn't see something special with inside of him. Um, yeah. But the thing is, like, you know, if we feel like if Mick Schumacher's still a year away, then maybe Dan Tictum is a year away as well. Yeah, and the thing is that, again, when his head screwed on straight, even though during the course of this weekend, he made some controversial comments, including kind of building himself an out if he were not to win the race, where he said that his teammate Joel Erickson, who finished second in both races, had the faster car. This again? (laughs) Joel Erickson, by the way, stepping down from the DTM again, uh, BMW's got a very good driver. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. No, 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 about it. But like, that's the second time he's implied that sort of comment because we, we all saw he did this about Mick Schumacher when Schumacher went on a tear in Formula Three this year. He was like, "Oh well, I don't think that car's legal." Well, why? Be- well, because Mick's now winning all of a sudden, and his last name Schumacher. <sighs> it's a problem. Like the kid still clearly has maturity problems. Like I, there is no doubt about it because you, you just don't make those sorts of comments. Like like that's. That's shit I'd expect from children. Like, like that is the sort of thing where it's like, his toy's faster than mine, even though it, you know, it doesn't really hold up a lot of the time. And, or you know, the person, or you know, the uh, the driver development coach that wants to bring him in F one next year. Yeah. <clears throat> Less said about that, the better. No, uh, you know, what is it with Red Bull and, and not really being able to nurture their young people? Very, I don't even say young drivers. I say young people very well because you know, it's just <laughs> well. Let's just say, 
if there was a scroll of the issues of Red Bull has had in managing their young people, um, the scroll would be on the floor and heading down my bedroom stairs as we speak. It would be the Chris Jericho list of 1,004 holds. Hold, driver reason number 674, armbar, um, basically. Um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be great. Um, so, you know, I hope I hope this is the shot in the arm that, that you know, makes Tictum a little, you know, stand up and realise what a massive opportunity he's got in front of him. He's got a team that did not give up on him after that incident in Formula 4, which a lot of people probably would have done because, let's be fact, let's be real here. No, no, um, Dre, I need to clarify this. He was not a Red Bull driver before this accident. But he was being scouted by... And they still stood by him. That's arguably even worse, quite frankly. It's like, look at that guy, look at that that guy again. Let's take him. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, like, like, this is, this is a guy that committed an awful thing to do on a fucking racetrack. You know, and Red Bull still took him on anyway, and have stuck by him. And well, I would when I say stick by him, I mean more a case of well, we have we've literally got no other option now, um, because it's 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 all it's all in for Max yeah. Verstappen. I've mentioned this on numerous occasions. Oh. It's all in on Max, and we they are literally out of names they can pump up now. Even though pump, oh, oh. the the conspiracy side of my brain's like. Maybe they did that purposely because they had Max. So it's like, let's get some damaged goods because it's not like they're getting a Formula One. And then they realize they have the empty seat and they're like, God damn it. It's not ideal, shall we say. Um, um, but uh... even though, again, that's that's just a random, I'm not saying that's not how, how I actually feel. Yeah. I'll tell you, Dan, Dan ticked him in a super Formula car for a full season. That's going to be money. Especially yep. if he's going with Team Mugen, who again won the championship this past year. Uh, we'll talk about some of the shakeups that are potentially going on because we got scoops on that. Sasha Fenestras finished in third place, and shoutouts as well to Jake Hughes, who's qualified as the Formula Three Asia Series uh, mm. points leader. Did well to finish fourth as the best Mercedes in the race. It was an all Volkswagen podium. Yep, all Volkswagen podium. Uh, Man, like Macau brings out the best in people, even though like they don't finish well here because overtaking is fairly difficult at at places. But there are very few places on the calendar left where you get to see Formula Three drivers go wheel to wheel. Like I would say during the course of the race, uh, Mick Schumacher going up San Francisco Hill, like him going wheel to wheel. I forgot who he was trying to overtake, but. It was a good, I would say, 30 seconds of them going wheel to wheel down a stretch of road uphill where it's like, we can't go left or right. It's either Mick pulls out of this or we both crash. And they held it for the longest amount of time they yeah, possibly Yeah, it was, it was could. literally the world's fastest game of chicken. Um, and uh, no one was backing down. It was it was, it was crazy. Um, and you always kind of trust the Schumacher to mm-hmm. win out in those. <laughs> well, he didn't get the overtake, unfortunately. Uh, he he played it smart and pulled out before they had an accident. See, Mick's already got more maturity than his dad ever did. <laughs> and, and a lot, and, and potentially at this point, maybe a little bit more talent than his uncle. RJ is on. RJ is on fire today. RJ Aaron finished in sixth, and uh, we speak about Red Bull. Yuri Vips of Estonia. This is his first race as a Red Bull back driver, and he finished seventh. 
Oh, we need to mention what happened during the red flag period with oh. Yuri Vips. Don't. What happened with this? <laughs> he dropped an F bomb on air. Beautiful. Oh. I like him <laughs> <He's> already. Perfect. <laughs> My man. <laughs> clearly a Red Bull driver. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he read the brief. He's clearly in. Um, he's he's establishing himself with the brand very quickly. That a boy. Our, he's, he's our new motorsport one hundred and one official Estonian cousin. There we go. We have a new Estonian cousin, King. He's now one of ours. Out of boy. Cal yes. Callum Islet finished eighth. Marcus Armstrong in ninth. Uh, Robert Schwartzman in tenth. Ferdinand Zvonimir, Maria Balthus, Keith Michael, Otto Antal, Bonham, Leonard von Habsburg, Lothrigan was eleventh place. Guan Yu Zhao, well, <laughs> Jan Darvala, returning from that from that uh, awful wreck earlier to finish in thirteenth. Rotoma Miyata, best of the Japanese contingent in 14th, ahead of Yuhi Sakiguchi. Frederick Vesti in his first F3 race is 16th. Toshiki Oyu was 17th. Yoshiaki Kadayama was 18th. Sena Sakaguchi was 19th. Ryuji Dragon Kumida Dragon. the race in 20th. He was a minute and 48 seconds behind, and he was a minute and 13 off the Nets car, but he finished. He finished. That's what matters at Macau, because, man, it is hard to finish. He didn't even get out of practice last year. Again, he is 51 years old. <laughs> Definitely. Enam Ahmed, Shosu Boy, Sofia Flores, Ukio Sasahara, Kevin Andres, Marina Sato, Charles Long, and Alex Palu were your non-finishers. And, of course, just to circle everything back around, and we're really glad that Sophia's uh, going to make a full recovery from this, it sounds like, because she's had, she's had angels watching over for, yeah. for recently. She almost died. She had a very <laughs> bad wreck in ADFC, ADACF4. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Not a bad wreck. Avoided a bad wreck when a goddamn staff car comes out in the middle of the road unannounced <sighs> yeah just oh boy so, Sophia is the baddest woman on the planet yes. sorry Ronda Rousey you've been displaced <laughs> yes out of, out of go Sophia you bad motherfucker um <laughs> but, uh, yes that is indeed a thing um yeah congrats to everyone involved glad everybody in the race got home safe on that one um well relatively in this case um but, uh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, tell us more a little about the rest of the card. Um, yeah, we got a we got a new FIA GT World Cup champion. It's Augusto Farfus for BMW, the only BMW having to hold off like a fleet of Mercedes Silver Arrows. <laughs> yeah, I thought my boy Marcello was gonna get it. <laughs> oh man, not the hammers missed Just again. <laughs> oh no. <sighs> And uh, also, we had a triple header of world touring cars. Um, Tom Coronel followed 12 people in under an hour. Um, and out of all this, 50, <laughs> and 56-year-old Gabriele Tarquini is a world touring car cup champion. He's 144 years old. How is this a thing? <laughs> in, the words, in the words of Keith Olbermann, do you know how old he is? He's 206. <laughs> Like, seriously, you know what's, like, king? I've just had a sudden thought. You know how sad this is that most people now will only know Gabrielle Tarquini as a donation notification on Jimmy Broadbent's streams? Almost everyone. You know how sad that is? It's like... <laughs> it's like to put it into perspective here, kids, Like, and this is like a small bike live-related tangent which you'll hear more about later on this week. Chan Onsu, who won the Moto3 race, right? Again, youngest ever Grand Prix winner. 
15 years, 115 days old. He beat Scott Redding's all-time record. He was 15 and 170, right? 15 and 115 years old, right? Date of birth, 2003. 2003. And he said his racing hero was Mark Marquez. How old do you feel now? <laughs> 2000. What were you doing in 2000? 2000. <laughs> 2003, I was too busy watching reruns of The Crystal Maze on Challenge TV. Like, like, holy shit. 2003, and his racing hero is Mark Marquez, who himself is only 25. Um, I'm done. I'm done with humanity. Just like... (laughs) Dre, Dre, how many people are your heroes? <laughs> I mean, no. How many people see you as their hero, Drake? Like, honestly, by this time next year, that might actually be a thing, and that is actually terrifying. Like, <laughs> well, do you want to know something that'll make you feel re- that puts into perspective of how long Gabriele Tarquini's been at this? His first, he he does have a. I could take you back to his first start in the FIA World Touring Car Championship. This race, this series predecessor. Oh, um- which was in 1987. Our Patreon backer Jason Poland in here was born in 1987 and he's 31. <laughs> Hazel's 31. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I give up. I'm going home. Fuck this. <laughs> oh. We've still got half a show to do. Oh. You can't give out on your Instagram exclusive mail. I, I, I can't. I, I'm having an existential crisis right now. Like, I am 20. Like, like for those of us who don't know, right? I am, like, 26 years old. I turned 26 in August. Right? <laughs> I'm 26 in August. And a kid that is literally 11 years younger than me is winning a world championship motorcycle race. And on the other end of the coin, a guy that is 30 years older than me has just become a world touring car champion. And I guarantee you, most people my age that are watching this are only going to know him as a random emote on Jimmy Broadbent's streams when someone donates a couple of bucks. I... I don't know anymore, RJ. Like, my motorsport world is broken, okay? It's about as crazy as Shane McMahon being the world's best wrestler. I do not understand this. (laughs) Well, uh, we're only halfway through the show. Uh, Things are probably going to get even more broken as we continue. Yeah, like like looking at Carlos Ghosn's bank accounts. Like, (laughs) there's something that's broken. (laughs) Now... Is this our segment? It is. I think, I think it's, it's our, our segue. segue. I'm going to go off and now book some counselling for myself. I will see you in about six months. Um, <laughs> after that, we'll get into the news and I will dig up. I will dig open my Instagram account because some of you guys sent me some questions on there. More after this. Apologize. I don't quite know what came over me during the last five minutes of that segment. I think my whole life just flashed before my eyes. It was really boring. <laughs> Fellas, should we do the news? Buddy, mood. <laughs> yes. Let's Big do mood. News. Um, King. King, um... Carlos Ghosn. Uh... <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, let's just say this is not good news for the Renault-Nissan Alliance. 
So if yes. you were an invested uh, fan of Nismo or Renault Sport, maybe you want to cover your ears. Yeah, including you two. If you're listening out there, Emmanuel Macron, president of France, you're going to be real sad right now. <laughs> As you do, the president of France is at the comments on this. That's how crazy this is. Oh. Like, little Patreon exclusive. I'm just going to post it in the chat. The uh, they're just the graphic of what their stock price looked like to those listening at home. It dropped about by uh, I think the estimated at, at market close it was thirteen percent. The the estimated loss in terms of market value was around two billion dollars. <laughs> oh lord! Like imagine just waking up and two billion pounds have been wiped off your company's value like i would shit myself right there and then like it's like oh my god i can't even wrap my head I, I, honestly like i, I, I I'm just, like king has literally just put the picture in the, oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> you can see where it says november 19th and then there's that clip. oh dear um, have you ever seen like those win probability yeah. cards for like a football game that gets uh, stolen you know away what? at the last minute? Oh, Jay, you know what that drop is? Second? That drop is when Stefan Diggs made that catch in the NFC Divisional game last year against the Vikings. So against the Saints, I should say. Um, that's the drop right there. Um, that's a cliff. <laughs> you could jump off that and break your leg. Um, that is uh, that is a thing. Um, so, King, how did we get to this point? Uh, well, reportedly, due to, thankfully, someone within Nissan decided to whistleblow and report that uh, CEO Carlos Gosen has been uh, underreporting his salary for the past five years. He and Representative Greg, Director Craig Kelly have been arrested Yes, not 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 accused. Yeah. Char- no, they've been arrested. They are going to jail. They are going to be held, and they are going to be held at least. They're going to be held. They will go to trial. Uh, there are numerous accounts of misconduct. Uh, Carlos Gosen's salary in total is only around seventeen million dollars. Uh, Nissan pays eight point eight, and that's the portion he was underreporting. Yikes! Like, just to put it into perspective, like, a good friend of our show, Rory at Rawls on Twitter. For those of the guys that know him, he's a great guy. Loves his rugby. Follow him if you haven't already. Um, the, the the quote and I quote of he's alleged to have underreported his salary by about thirty five million pounds is quite the headline. <laughs> I don't even know where you start on that. I mean, that's just. That's well, like yeah, thirty-five million pounds over you know the course he's been doing it year after year after year. Yeah, just he's just stacking those bills and not in the legal sense. Um, so yeah, effectively, uh, this will mean that he that the boards he's gone. of yeah the boards of Nissan, Renault, and Mitsubishi, all the companies within the alliance, are planning on firing him. Yeah, well, he gone. He gone. Yeah, he, 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 he's done. Like, he is donezo up in here. Um, yeah, so, like, that's, of course, that and the combination that the French government owns, I think, is it 15% of Renault, I want to say, King? Yeah, 15% of Renault. That's what led to President Macron having to make a statement saying, no, no, guys, Renault is fine, honest. Um, 
It's literally the gif of of, of the you know that gif of the of the building that's on fire and there's like nothing to see here is the text underneath it. Please disperse. That's what this is right here. <laughs> oh my god! Just I have nothing for you on this one, King. But uh, where the hell does this alliance go from here? Oh god, because yeah, they were under a lot of pressure. Because a part of the Nissan Reno Alliance is that they own shares in each other each other's company. Mm-hmm. Right now, the third company that's involved in this is Mitsubishi. Uh, I believe Nissan owns about thirty three percent. There's they're under large pressure to make uh, Mitsubishi a full member of the alliance, meaning that Mitsubishi would also own stock in Re- in Reno and Nissan instead of it just being a one way relationship. Right. And if you know anything about Mitsubishi, it's been pretty rough over there over the past couple years. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of forget that Mitsubishi makes cars. If you didn't know, if you didn't really? know anything about anything other than the Lancer Evolution, <laughs> to put that in perspective, the Eclipse, their their legendary front wheel drive sports car, the name is back. As a crossover SUV. Oh, <laughs> my heart. Oh, oh. Ford, Ford tried to do it with the Focus. Thank God they did Burn it down. Burn it down to the ground. So we're starting over. Fuck this. So now the important question is, with all that money that they've just lost out of this, where's that coming from? It's probably not going to come from their road car department. I would worry that this might come out of the racing car department. Yep, because that's the first thing to do anytime an automotive company has financial difficulties. Hi, Volkswagen Audi Group. How are you doing? Yes. Motorsport's always the first thing to go. And this comes off the back of uh, them, after the board of Renault, pretty much having to approve Daniel Ricardo's massive salary because Daniel Ricardo's salary is double what the CEO is paid. Um, and yeah, not only was Carlos Ghosn like reportedly the highest paid executive in Japan, uh, Daniel Ricardo was yeah paid multiple times his salary. And yeah, I don't know where that budget for the rest of the team is going to come from. Yeah. So put it into perspective, Daniel Ricciardo's reported new contract at Renault is a two-year, forty million pound deal, um, twenty million a year, so to speak. Um, oh, that's that's the low ball. Estimate. Yeah. Well, yeah, twenty million pounds. Yeah, that seems yeah. about right. Yeah, the pound is not doing very well, King. I don't know. I don't know if you've been made aware. <laughs> the, the pound is dog shit right now. But um, yeah, like. Ricardo isn't going to be the most paid man in Renault by a comfortable distance. Um, sorry, Nico Hulkenberg. Um, you should out of luck. Um, <laughs> welcome to have the big boys play. But uh, yeah, um, troubling times ahead for the Renault Nissan Alliance. Speaking of Nissan, yes. <laughs> well, wait. Mm-hmm. I just I got the quote up from President Macron. He said it's 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 too early com- <laughs> comment on the reality or materiality of the accusations about which I have no further information. Obviously, he doesn't know all the information. As a stakeholder, however, the French government will remain extremely vigilant regarding the stability of the <laughs> alliance. <laughs> the Renault Group and its employees who have the full support of the state. Oh, good. We're a keen observer as our house burns to the ground. Good to know. <laughs> oh, dear. Good luck, Daniel. Have fun with that, Daniel. Um, he's your problem now. Um, so, uh, yeah, the vote of confidence is like, you know what that is, King? 
That is when you play football manager and you get the board of confidence. Like, the board has the board gives him his full backing, which is a nice way of saying he's getting sacked a month later. Um, yeah. So yeah, have fun with that, Daniel. Um, you know, hope you like working power units. They won't be there. <laughs> just just throwing that out there. Um, nice crossover to dip into Dre's exclusive Instagram mailbag this week because uh, I put a I put a, a story out on my Instagram page. You can follow at Harrison101 um, to send in some questions for this week's podcast, just in case. And uh, we got one from uh, one of our Patreon backers. Actually, it's Gearhead. Hi, hi, Toki. Nice to hear you. He goes, so without Albon, who do SDR take? It's a nice little segue into the next Nissan-related drama because uh, Formula E dropped the entry list um, for their upcoming Season 5 um, last week. And Alex Albon was still listed on it for the Nissan Edams team, despite mm. growing speculation that he is actually going to be taking one of the Toro Rossos uh, for next season, replacing Brendan Hartley. Um... There's still more spice on this, RJ, because it seems that uh, both camps involved aren't particularly happy at how this is going. Yeah, he's still on the entry list that was released this past Friday, but it's believed that he is just a placeholder at the moment until Nissan finalizes a deal to put somebody else in the car. We understand that the leading candidate for it is Oliver Rowland, who tested with the team at Valencia. Mm. Um... So with that in mind, um, first of all, um, let's talk about what Toro Rosso does now with this. Because if if it is Albon, or if it's not Albon, then what do they do? They've got they've got to keep Brendan, surely. Unless Dan Tictum does win that that winter sport, so he's going to just plug Tictum straight in. But that's up in the air, and there's no guarantees that's going to happen. Obviously, Tictum needs to finish in the top two of said championships we mentioned earlier, but... Is 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 hot? Yeah. Is hot? You gonna get fucked about with yet again? <laughs> it's easier for Nissan to have a contingency plan because they had about they, they were quoted as saying they had forty potential candidates and it looks like they already have one in place. Mm. Toro Rosso, it's a little messier. Just a tad. They have literally no one else and, eligible right at the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, and out of all of this. Um, Alex Albon, we'll talk about this later because he's got a Formula 2 championship to race for mm-hmm. uh, with with a team called Dams. Yeah. You know, the Dams from, the Dams from which the E-Dams and Nissan E-Dams derives from. Yeah, this is awkward on many, many levels here because, uh, yeah, Albon's trying to win them a championship while subsequently trying to leave them for another championship whilst trying to go into Formula 1 as well. This is a friggin' mess on many levels here, RJ, and it's just well what was what were you speculating about with this? Um, I don't know. I I don't know if dams are gonna be this clever to do it, but um Albon again has to overcome a thirty seven point championship deficit. It's a reach. Uh to take the title. Yeah. It's it's already gonna be tough sledding. And you know, there was always the thought of like, okay, 
what does Dams do in the situation, knowing that their lead driver is on kind of rocky terms with the man, Jean-Paul Drio, who actually runs not only his team, but also the Nissan E-Dams team that he was going to run. Would they try and just give Nicholas Latifi all the good setups and sabotage Albon's race? Or would they try and give Albon the great setup so that he could go win the championship from behind and potentially not have any other opportunities moving forward? Which would be really, really, really shitty for Alexander Albon. King, what do you what do you reckon? Tap into that conspiracy part of your brain. Uh, I don't know. It it feels like I don't I don't know why it's taking. Well, I guess it's just Toro Rosso don't want to announce. They've been holding this off for ages and ages and ages, and it seems like they don't want Brendan Hartley. Seems like it seems like. <laughs> Seems, madam. Seems, madam. Nay, it is. I know not seems. (laughs) It seems like Alex Albon's trying to hold up Red Bull at gunpoint for as much money as they're worth. Oh, boy. (laughs) That's a a smart plan. (laughs) Like, like, if you're keeping me after trying to basically run me through the ringer for the entire season, I want financial compensation, damn it. Um, Which is totally the smart way to go. But, uh, oof. I don't know what you do on that one. And, you know, like, why didn't Alex just stick it out and just wait for the yeah. Toro seat to come up? That was, that was, sh- that, that was surely the no-brainer know. option here. Like, why don't you, why don't you just bet against yourself? I would I take think... the Nissan seat. It gives them a yeah. full-fledged factory ride in a historically competitive team. And if they don't want to think... do that, again, I've pitched this idea before, Trade Alex Albon for Brendan Hartley straight up. And you put yeah. Hartley in a competitive car to historically winning Formula E mm-hmm. team. I, I think Alex Albon didn't realize that Formula One was going to be an option until it was far too late. Because, yeah, it, it seemed obvious that the E-Dam, that the Dams driver would move over to E-Dams. He's with them pretty much every... That's where he works pretty much. Uh, so I guess, like, they were kind of over his shoulder. Kind of like, hey... We're going to have Nissan next year. Uh, Nico Prost and coming back. Maybe you do well over F2 year. We'll maybe put in a good word with you at Nissan and we could sign you. And it happened. And then um, Tara Rosso is looking for a driver. Wait, Alex, what what are you doing, Alex? Alex, where are you going? Alex, come <laughs> back. <laughs> oh, dear. I want to see the TIE Fighter race somewhere. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice because he's an extremely talented kid. Um, well, also, we're we just mention... kind of burying the lead that Felix Rosenquist is going to be back for for the uh, for the farewell f- race. Driver yes. for hire, for- Felix Rosenquist is back one last time in the Formula E Crown Jewel. Pascal Verline <laughs> doesn't want to work Abu Dhabi. He's actually <laughs> under. He's actually under. Uh, sorry, Pascal Verline does not want to work Saudi Arabia, much like John Cena and Daniel Bryan. That's entirely understandable. It's actually because he can't get out of his Mercedes deal until the calendar year turns over. <laughs> yeah. But Felix is back for one night only. And then, of course, IndyCar is going to be a thing. Yeah, there's a lot to handle there. But, uh, yeah, Alex, good luck with that, mate. Uh, just just saying, good luck. You're going to need it. Um, that is not fun. And you now go to our resident Super GT correspondent, RJ O'Connell, to talk about some Super GT stuff. Um, I said last week that after winning the GT500 championship and becoming the first double champion of Japan in 14 years, that Naoki Yamamoto... 
um, has enough super license points to get an F1 drive, and it would be nice to see him get an opportunity, but it would surely never happen, right? From Yasashi Yamamoto, general manager of Honda's Motorsport division. If Naoki Yamamoto could drive an F1 car in FP1, he may be able to grow even further. It's not only being a regular driver that's important. The experience of F1 is important for him. They are talking up the possibility that Naoki Yamamoto could get free practice ones at F1 next season and potentially even more down the road. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of hinting at that, hey, whoever gets that second Toro Rosso seat next year, might not be there for a long time. Really? <sighs> that never happens at Sororoso King. <laughs> like, what's the deal here? What gives? <sighs> well, yeah, it really seems like whoever's going to be at Tararoso, including you, Daniel Kvyat, you're looking to be really expendable. Kvyat? Expendable? Never! That sucks. <laughs> God damn, I hate F1 sometimes. Hey, he is the number one driver of Honda now. I've not talked about specifically yet, but I would like to talk with him about hmm. it. That being Yamamoto. Again, he is 30 years old, which would make him uh, by far the oldest rookie at the championship if he were to ever get a race in. I feel like his talents obviously deserve at least a run in an F1 sure. car because if you're if you're taking this if you're taking the fight regularly to guys like. If you're taking the fight to guys like Heki Kovalainen and Kamui Kobayashi and Kaz Nakajima and Felix Rosenquist for proven talents, if you're carrying a team that has a former F1 World Championship on it and have consistently been the faster of the two drivers on a race-by-race basis, and again, Button's still quick in WEC. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, give him a ride. Give him a free practice test. Hell, if you're feeling froggy enough... Give him an F1 seat. Why not? <laughs> Man's fast as hell. Like, seriously. Why the hell not? I, 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 I'm now thoroughly on the campaign, RJ. Bring fun back to F1, and this would be some fun. I'm like, like I'm, I'm here. Bring bring Naoki Yamamoto to F1. He will he will do he will do good things, I feel. And if not, yeah. hey, he still he can still be Honda's ace in Japan for ten more years. Sure. Yeah, like if if you're Red Bull and you were smart, you would get Yamamoto for next year while Tictum is in Super Formula. That'd be the smart thing to do, Red Bull. But Red Bull wouldn't do that. No, no, of course they're not. This has just turned into the roast of Red Bull. <laughs> to be fair, isn't that most episodes? <laughs> it's true. And we still get excited whenever they win races. No, 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 no! You yeah. get excited whenever they win races. This, this is not a me thing. Like, uh, I go, oh god, Max has won again. Ah, shit. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe he is a bit good. Although, to be fair, has I ever been under question with Verstappen? Anywho, speaking of King, King, <laughs> another King, making making their five hundred day next year for Britain and St George. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> that would be King's like totally not brother Jordan King is going to make his Indy 500 debut next year with Rahul Lederman Lanigan racing RJ good news yeah Jordan King is back he was at Ed Carpenter racing last year forming the road and street course bit of the Ed Carpenter Voltron in the 20 car Voltron. that role has since been taken up by Ed Jones Jordan King gets his first opportunity at the 500 next year 
with a team that is typically pretty good at such a race. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and let's think, Jordan King, Luke Key, I think, put together some pretty solid performances in IndyCar last year, even if the results don't necessarily tell the whole story. Um, so I was actually quite impressed with how Jordan King got on um, this this past season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how uh, another King holds up in, in, in the Thunder itself. Mm-hmm. Should I yeah. also point out that um, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan's 8500 only entry was pretty notable last year because it was Oriel Servius' car. Mm-hmm. Oop. The one that almost fuel mileaged its way to winning the damn thing. Yep, and he's... They've... Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan and Jordan King have also hinted that this might not be the only time we see Jordan King get behind the wheel for them this year. How does RL suddenly go from being the definitive one-car team to potentially thinking about three? Like, that's that's quite the dynamic shift, isn't it, in the last two or three years? Well, yeah, this is the quote he gave to Racer.com. Quote, we're trying, to g- we, we're trying to get a full-time drive, which hasn't worked out, so this Indy 500 plan is the next best thing. I can't give any dates or events yet, but I'm working as hard as I can, running up and down the country... To, to try and find some backing to get myself on the grid for more races. We might get a couple extra races. It could be 10, it could be 1, and with the relationship we have with with um, RRL, I mean, R- yep. RLL, there's there's a common goal to achieve. Interesting. There's like, <coughs> I wonder what the common goal is. <coughs> Pardon me, I've got, I've got a sneeze. Uh, but I mean, it's like, I wonder what the common goal is. Is, is it win Gray and Ray all the championship? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think everyone's quite clued in on that plan yet, but I think that seems to be what it is. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, great to see Jordan King getting a run at the 500 next year. Staying with IndyCar, um, McLaren, who we all know are, are returning to said 500 next year with Fernando Alonso with a five, another 500 attempt, they've put quite a prominent name in charge of McLaren's IndyCar uh, future going forward, RJ, and it's uh, one from your man's in pink. That would be former Sahara Force India F1 team deputy team principal Bob Fernley, who basically ran the team pretty much all the time when VJ Malia was, you know, being VJ on the Malia. run. <laughs> Fernley is going, yes, VJ Malia is going to run the McLaren Indy team. Um, he'll report directly to Zach Brown. Uh, this will be run as a separate entity to its F1 activities. And having putting Bob Fernley on the box, you know, just based on his F1 a recent F1 track record alone, again, he took Force India team that's been pretty much fighting off administration now for the last several years and turned them into a solid fourth best team behind the three massive juggernauts mm-hmm. of Formula One. This is a good hire. This is a very good hire. Yeah, this is a good hire. He he has experience. He he worked he he worked at IndyCar in the eighties. I don't remember which teams he worked for. That that's the sound of RJ furiously googling. You, you can hear it in the background. <laughs> it's great. We're a real professional show, on you know. We're, we're professional stuff. We've gone from microwaves to furious keyboard tapping again. Go us. <laughs> I I'm looking it up here. I can't yet find anything, but. No, in either case, it's it's yeah, I like that. Fernley's done very, very good work with Force India. Um, you know, being a big hand in what's made them the midfield juggernaut that they are now. 
Um, knows America, obviously he's worked in, in the series before. That's a great hire. And again, I, I, I can appreciate the fact that McLaren really aren't half arsing this. If they're, if they're bringing in Bob Fernley, then they are not half. They're not half balling this. They are. They are going for it, and that is a that is a heck of a pull. So, um, I mean, King, what do you make of it? Well, I mean, they've kind of had their hand forced. They they can't half this. They can't partner with another team. It has to be an independent operation because mm. they Boy. they have to run Chevrolet engines, and all the teams that they're friends with run Hondas. Yeah, that's quite the bold decision, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> what do you mean we pissed off Honda too much? <laughs> oh, never. Not in a million years. But, uh, yeah, Bob Fernley heading over to a McLaren's IndyCar project. That's going to be f- fun. Good hire. RJ, it's a good week to, for once this year to be a Sebastian. It's a very good week to be a Sebastian. As Sebastian OJ wins his sit-straight WRC title, his second with Ford, following up on his four in a row with Volkswagen. This makes Sebastian's undefeated in the last 15 World Rally Championships. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, with, yeah. uh, the WRC is here for calling a ban of all Sebastians to be entering the championship. Give someone else a goddamn chance. Oh my God goodness. damn it! I thought Porte was gonna have a shot next to you. Sorry, yeah. he's collateral damage. Sacrifices <laughs> have to be made. Yeah, going into this final round, he held a scant lead out of over Hyundai's Terry Neuville, who crashed out in stage 22. The only other person who would have been able to take the title was Toyota's Oi Tanak, uh, who crashed out before the final stage, meaning that Sebastian Ogier was going to win the championship before the final stage. And it was a wild week in Australia. There was one stage where someone left their left their tractor out on the roof. What? <laughs> yeah. What is going on in rallying these days? <laughs> just just gonna leave the tractor out here. Okay. Uh, as you do. Um, okay. I'll, I'll leave me back on the straight and narrow here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was uh, that was certainly something. Um, we had, uh, yeah, we had uh, Sebastian OJ finishing fifth, um, just playing conservatively, especially after his title rivals rivals crashed out of it. Uh, Yari Matty Latvala did win the rally for Toyota, so that means the Toyota Yaris, in its second year in the championship, wins the manufacturer's title by 27 points over Hyundai, Ooh. which uh, which is going to bode very well for them next season mm. um, when they come in with. Uh, Latvala, Tanek, and Chris Meek. Chris Meek. That is the... <laughs> as, 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 and Sebastian Auger already has his new ride wrapped up. He's going back to Citroën. He's going back to where it all started, which means if Auger wins his seventh title next year, which is very, very likely, because that Citroën C3 is a good car that just hasn't had a consistently driver in place, um, that'll be... That'll be three different constructors that he's wanted for for the last three seasons yeah and it's already been heavily rumored that he might also have another world championship teammate named sebastian oh, oh no. dear god <laughs> <laughs> yeah we hinted at this and these two don't like each other yeah Wait, like i'm not the rallying guy are Loban and oj yeah. gonna be teammates next year it's uh well 
Lowe won't be competing in the World Rally Cross Championship because uh, Peugeot is pulling out their program, so the other company in the partnership Citroën have kind of hinted at uh, they still have OG, I mean, they still have Loeb under contract for next year without any full-time racing program. Oh, and no. Loeb is up for it. Um, I don't know how much OG would be up for that idea. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm OG, because... I want none of those problems. I'm like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Yeah, they did not get along when Loeb was still the lead man at the team and OG was still the ace in waiting. That's kind of what drove Sebastian to sign with Volkswagen the first available window. It's like, I want out of this. <laughs> and uh, and all of this, and you still have uh, Esapeka Lapi, who is probably one of the biggest rising prospects in the sport, coming in from Toyota, having already won a couple of rallies. Yeah, it's a promising lineup on paper. I remember in 2003, Citroen had Loeb, Colin McRae, Carlos Sainz at one point. What did that get them? As Cam points out in the Discord chat, like this is the death lineup. This is like when Golden State puts Draymond Green at center, and it just plays like Curry Thompson. Like, what, look, by the way, with Demarcus Cousins still recovering from an Achilles, that death lineup is going to be fucking terrifying. But um, yeah, like that is the death lineup in, in World Rally, and you've got 15 World Rally championships between you in one team. Um, and they may the tear world. each other apart first. Yeah, it's, it's death to everyone else, death to themselves. Everyone and, dies. <laughs> and the and let's hope not that. But it does leave uh, Oitanic, the unsinkable one, uh, in a position to potentially swoop right in and take it. Or maybe it's Thierry Neubel's near next year. I don't know. I don't know. I'll I'll end up watching in Monte Carlo in Sweden, and then just like usual, just forget about it because there's so much else on yeah i mean so as, as cam points out about death lineups like it's like it's 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 what we could have very nearly had in moto gp in 2013 because like i don't think people realize just how close we were to a mark marquez casey stoner team um no no <laughs> he's not referring to that one he's referring to the lineup uh of 2000 if it's a bonus if one. one michael do one michael duan's uh if his ankle had held up through 99 it would have been him, and it would have been Valentino Rossi. Oh, dear Lord. Mick Dewan. They would have killed each other. There's no way. <laughs> there is no way on God's green earth Mick Dewan and Valentino Rossi would have been able to coexist in that team. Not a chance. They would have killed each other first. Um, like, I'm not even joking when I say that. That Oh, no. No, 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 no. Um, enough of... That is it. That is Kane the Undertaker. You can't have that. Like it's just it's not gonna work. Um it's, uh, uh King, we have a new NASCAR championship winner. Oh oh god. Oh it god. is Penske Games finalist I, I, as well, may, may, I, may I add. Did hey, did uh did someone come back from the bakery? Ooh. <laughs> Because uh, because I presented a plate of sliced bread. <laughs> yeah. The young phenom that was once claimed as being the best thing since sliced bread has finally has finally reached. Joey Logano has toppled the big three. Um, well, I'm not anyone that's actually secretly quite, quite delighted at this, even though I'm not the biggest Logano <laughs> fan in the world. But like, because you just like chaos. I do like chaos. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
If I was a Yu-Gi-Oh monster, I'd be the magician of Black Chaos. That's how it works. And uh, yeah, like only only seen this because okay, I'm not the biggest NASCAR fan in the world, but like there was a picture in the press conference of the big three sitting there in the press conference. All that would be miserable. That would be. Kyle Busch, the 2015 champion, Kevin Harvick, the 2014 champion, and the defending champion, Martin Truex Jr., who have combined to win over half of the races this season. Going into this playoffs, Joey Logano had only won once. That was at Talladega. He then went on to win at Martinsville, and that got him into the championship four. And even said, going into this race, that he considered himself the favorite. (laughs) People, (laughs) including myself, laughed at him. (laughs) Lick the stamp, Joey. Lick the stamp. Send it, my man. Like, there is something I can't help but admire about that completely untamed arrogance. There is is something quite hilarious about that. And then Logano goes and wins the damn thing. Wins the championship. And he did it with a stunning outside lane pass as well. Um, So so that was a championship winning pass. And, uh, King, it was... uh, Shall we say Cam the pitcher uh, moment here regarding this? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was certainly a game seven moment. Oh yes, the kind that NASCAR <laughs> always wants in the final race of the season. Joey Logano sees that initiative, and here's the thing: we had a late caution at the end of the race that we were all thinking, "Oh Jesus, Kyle's got this sewn up," because Kyle was trying to stretch his fuel tank as far as he could, pray for a caution to get to the end. Well, he got that caution. And you're just thinking, well, oh, goodness. Well, Kyle's got this wrapped up. As it turns out, he picks the outlet when you start. Martin Jurets gets a better restart. And Joey Logano finally decides, actually, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> and just starts pulling away. Oh, bang, bang. What a shot by Curry. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what that was right there. It was a stunning pass. And, uh... Yeah, a championship winning one from Joey Legado. So congratulations to him. Thank you, Joey, for feeding my chaos gene um, because I need some of that in motorsport and I'm here for it. Um, I'm here for all of it. And uh, yeah, the only person that believed that they were going to win the title was Joey himself and he did it. Good lad. I'm here for that. And like I said, seeing the big three miserable kind of put a smile on my face there. I can't even I can't even lie. Um, I do feel kind of bad for Martin Truex because that is Furniture Racing's last start. They are they are no more at the end of the season. Which it's it's amazing to think that a championship winning race organization could get shut down the next year. Stunning, of course, for in the worst possible trouble. Yeah, for troubles that we have discussed on the show because NASCAR's business model is barely sustainable. It is not sustainable. No. Very sad in that sense. Um, but, uh, ooh, one- Jimmy Johnson's uh, 16-year winning streak. 16 years. He has every year that he's raced full-time, he's had a win, just not this year. That's rough. And Matt Kenseth, in his actual final race, his second go-around at retirement, um, started 17th, his very first car number, finished 6th, what might be his last car number. I think that's pretty fitting. Hmm. 
God, I didn't realize Jimmy had a winning streak year to year that long. It's like it's like Danny Pedrosa; he had gone from 2002 yeah. to 2017. Jimmy Johnson had won at least one race, and he almost made it 17 years in a row. So somewhere, Ricky Rudd in his house in Chesapeake, Virginia, is popping a champagne bottle 1972 <laughs> Dolphin style. Oh yeah, it's like oh the Rams have fallen. Break out the good bubbly. Um. Oh, and we almost forgot one last thing. Um. Joey said he was going to win the race, but Bush Beer also had plenty of confidence as well. Oh, yeah? <sighs> so much confidence that if they didn't win the race, uh, they would decorate Kevin Harvick's car in just, uh, I don't know what, I don't know how to describe this, mm. King. How would you describe it in a non-visual medium to what, people? I would say Reddit meme decor. I, I, I would say we what old people think millennials are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like tweets dogecoin you know reddit memes you know there might flake af <laughs> yolo swag hashtag basic <laughs> emoji spam everywhere it's dank uh and uh and of course after the race bush beer followed up on the street and said this didn't age well <laughs> this aged badly <laughs> was, the, was the direct quote that they came up with this aged badly so yeah, I'm looking forward to the millennial layout that's going to come out for the first round of next Put season. Kevin Harvick in a in a full emoji spam driver suit for the 500. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> oh, I, I I I will I will not repeatedly if that is actually a thing. That, I, I will literally just piss myself laughing. Um, RJ, wrapping up a little bit of esports news as well, my friend. Uh, yes, we're here to talk about USF 2000 drivers, and we're not talking about Kyle Kirkwood. Really? Uh, why would we talk about the fourth place driver from the USF 2000 championship, Igor Fraga? Well, that's because Igor Fraga has won the FIA Gran Turismo Sport Nations Cup for Brazil. He pretty much dominated the season, for, for what I understand. Uh, had a great race in the, uh, in the final round, which was held at Monaco. Had a great duel with, uh, with Japan's representative, uh, whose name eludes me for some reason, but Igor Fraga, real life racing driver, and now a Gran Turismo Sport champion. That's cheating. He's he's just <laughs> usually it goes the other I way. I know, right? Gran Turismo. <laughs> that's that's cheating. That's not allowed. You disqualify him. He's an actual racing driver. That can't be right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, congratulations to Igor. And also on a side note, while we're here, congratulations to Brendan Lee for retaining his F1 esports title. Well, I know he's a oh, I know he's yes. a fan of the show as well. So congrats to Brendan Lee as well for. Uh, Two in a like, row dominated that yeah, championship. It's like, like, it's like I admire the kid so much because like he's a he looks like a different guy after a year with the Mercedes esports team as well. I know he shed a ton of weight, got on a diet, you know, got into the whole like, got into driving race cars properly. He's been so dedicated. I admire the shit out of that kid. So congratulations, Brendan, um, on retaining your title. Congrats to Mercedes for winning the constructors. That is a fleet of a team they have in front of them. Um, yeah, Mercedes is just winning everything at the moment in motorsport. It's just inherently unfair. God damn them. Although King in the background is secretly delighted at this news. Uh, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so fucking happy. stoked. Um, yeah, he's delighted. Um, a bit, like, like, we'll, we'll preview a little bit of the week ahead as well, because um, this weekend is the moment we've all been waiting for, folks. The final round of the Formula One Championship this year. 
It's over. Thank God. It's, it's, been, it's just been dragged out for the last three, like, three months. Just put it out of my goddamn misery. These seasons are too goddamn long. I don't care what anyone says to me. 21 races is a drag. I am blown out. Like, I need a break. So thank God this is going to be a thing. Um, it is round 21. It is Abu Dhabi. It's the final round. And as uh, Brian Sinners points out, the, the even-numbered Abu Dhabis tend to be really good. So, yeah. 2010 had a title in contention 2012 mm-hmm. he knows what to do 2014 we had a title fight in 2016 we had the mother of all sins in a title fight yep i'm expecting 2018 to completely sap this streak because good things don't come to those who really need them it's sad that like the most hyped thing on paper is going to be the fight for third in the championship between Kimi Riker and Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen um, and it looks like Red Bull's really found some pace the last three rounds here to close out the year like Red Bull seemed to have a knack of doing um, so they finished even the even the junior series title fights as we mentioned mm. George Russell has a huge lead Antoine Hubert has a huge lead in the GP3 series title as well over 30 yeah. points they're gonna have to go com- they're just gonna have to completely bottle yeah it. like weekend from hell yeah both championships both uh, GP3 and Formula 2 would require the title leader to either score it little to no points in one of the races for the guy in second to even have a chance if they win So that's out. the thing. I, I really like George Russell. He's a Manchester United fan today. He's therefore he's automatically one of us. Um, he, He's a boy. On he, He's part of Team Boys on Motorsport 101. Who else here is secretly hoping his clutch fails on the grid to start to start the feature race on, on Saturday? <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I don't, I don't wish it upon him, but I think secretly a lot of people are probably hoping that happens. Alex Albon, probably leader of the list on that one. Um, just saying. But uh, yeah, good luck to George Russell. He's probably going to wrap it up this weekend um, in, in stylish fashion. Like I said, he's a United fan, so he knows pain. Um, so he, he's, he'll most likely be a glowing success, but... Uh, Maybe we'll get a great race. Hamilton probably wins. Yay. And he'll probably, you know what? He's If he gets in the top three, he will break the all-time points record as well, which is like one of the few things Sebastian has left, which is really fucking annoying. So so I hope Hamilton finishes fourth, just so I'm really petty about the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, go Valtteri. And, of course, and of course the, the send-off for Fred. The, yeah, Fred's final round. I'm, I'm sure several people care about that. Um, anyway, uh, I'm joking. Um, yeah, the Fernando Alonso's final race um, in the deep into the 300 club um, as well. And uh, only, I think only the 40, 50, I want to say the fourth member of the 300 club, I want to say. I think it's, yeah, I think it's uh, Michael Schumacher, Jensen Button, Rubens Barrichello, and I think they were the only... F- and yeah, they, that's the only four members, yeah. That's it. Of the 300 race club. So yeah, Fernando will drift off into the sunset, probably with a broken battery on lap 14, um, knowing the McLaren way, who are still going to finish sixth in the constructors because this sport doesn't make any goddamn sense sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll be a thing. And uh, I'm sure he'll get a lovely send-off. I think there's already a special live stream planned send-off for him already, booked by... Uh, F1 on social media, so that should be a, a nice farewell. So, uh, yeah. Adios, Fernando. It's been fun um, uh, on that one. Right, time to crack open my phone, which has 3% batteries. This could be this could be a bit touch and go. Um, but, uh, let, uh, I, as again, as I said on, on, on the Twitters and on the Instagrams, if you sent me a picture, I would answer it um, on, on the show this week. 
Uh, oh no. One from one Zoe Hamilton in capital letters. And I quote, When are we going to do a group watch of Driven? Oh, dear. <laughs> King, I'm holding you responsible for this. I blame you. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. You suggested classic content and this came up. I'm holding you directly responsible. Nah, it's a cart party episode. It's it's just a cart party. Oh, someone forgot the H. I see. Um, I, I see what you did there. Um... <laughs> We have promised this for like a year and a half, haven't we? Yeah. Motorsport 101 Movie Club, coming soon. Sometime never. Uh, still still, still soon. coming soon. <laughs> soon coming soon. soon. Um, our friend of the show and our number one fan, Miss Kelly Bone. Hi, Kelly. We love you, Kelly. Um, if you were on a desert island, which motorsport drivers would be the most useful to get off said island? Anyone, anyone in the military? Damn it. Any, uh, uh, Kimmy. <laughs> they seem like practical dudes. Like, Kimmy just builds... I've seen this. Like, Kimmy just builds everything in his back garden. It's like, yeah, I'm just, just going to build a slip and slide for the kid. You know, because why not? <laughs> he seems like the type. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with Kimmy. I go, Kevin. I go with. I go with that. That's that seems fair. And if anything, you like his his wife can, is a really good swimmer. So if that helps, you can just swim off the island. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's practical. It's multiple use. Um, like Valtteri, what is she talking about? <laughs> I need to know about your um breast stroke technique. Um, <laughs> uh, Kieran asks. What do you think Jensen Button's legacy will be in 10 years' time? This is an interesting question. Um, for me, at least, he'll be he'll be known as the man who finally brought the big trophy home to car number 100. That but true. that's, that's just me talking. <laughs> Inherently biased RJ O'Connell here commenting. Um... <sighs> For me, like, Jensen is, like, the definition of what I call a Hall of Very Gooder. In that he is, like, right on the borderline for what I consider to be a Hall of Fame level driver. He was a genuinely great guy, a genuinely great team player, a very, very good driver who overcame... Like, let's not forget, it took over 100 attempts for Jensen even won a Grand Prix. Um, and he had a lot of pressure to succeed from when he debuted in 2000. He was hailed as the Great British Hope before Lewis Hamilton rolled up. Um, and that was seven years later. Um, and he did win that world title in the end. He was the undisputed king of changeable conditions, which is a skill in its own right, even though he robbed my boy in Canada that one time in 2011. I'm still not bitter about that, honestly. He took Fernando out, for God's sake! Um, why did he not get another drive? Honestly, I'm not... He also, I, I would also argue that he helped pull a stagnating British American racing team out of neutral in 2003, uh, yes, effectively definitely. by displacing Dak, Jack Villeneuve, the team that the driver that the team was literally built around, displacing him as lead driver and ultimately displacing him from his drive. There were many races that he should have won in 2004 before we even got to 2006. And even after he signed with McLaren, okay, he didn't win a championship with them, but he was still a multi-time driver. driver. Yeah. 
damn solid driver, damn solid driver. He won multiple races like that, and you know he had 15 total for his crew, which is again is a good number in F1. Winning, getting to 15 wins is hard. Do I think you know how many drivers don't have any? Yeah, don't have any wins. Yeah, like, like 700 F1 drivers. He outscored yeah. Lewis over their time together from 2010 to 2012. Yeah, he did. He was genuinely better than Hamilton over a three-year span. That is quite that is quite a achievement in its own right. And I'd argue his 2012 season was every bit as good as his title win in the year in 09. Like he was like the clear number two dude in the title when when Alonso when when Vettel was going off. Like Button was the dude. Um, so uh, yeah, Jensen, all-round great guy. Great racing driver. Delighted that, you know, he's won the Super GT title on top of that as well because he's treated that series with nothing but respect since he walked over there. He said it was every bit as good as his F1 title win in 09, which is really nice of him to say. It's a great endorsement for the series. Jensen's an all-round stand-up guy and, uh, yeah, a genuinely great British driver. And we've been spoiled for those over the years, but Jensen's every bit as good as many of those guys in that discussion. Um... Andrew Bannister asks, he, got, he was greedy, he sent me two questions, but I like you, Andrew, because you always snap me stuff, so, um, yeah, I will answer both of them for you, because I'm such a nice guy like that. How high do you rate Charles Leclerc's 2019 championship chances? Oh, I would say, tell me, like, ask me three races in, because it's going to, I think it's going to be highly dependent on how good the Ferrari is, and then if the Ferrari's capable of winning a championship it's how well he's going to compare up to the four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel yeah I may or may not have written a angrily worded blog about this on the website on Motorsport I'm having a bit of a writing renaissance in the last week or so there are two new written pieces up um, on, on motorsport101.com forward slash blog if you want to check out the two pieces I've written one um, is all about World Superbikes and Jonathan Ray versus the world. Um, as again, World Superbikes looking very thick. C-H-I-double-C for 2019. And another one was called Vettel Ferrari and the Shiny Hood Ornament, where I was talking about, my God, have we all forgotten like just how good Sebastian Vettel has been for Ferrari since he got there? Rather than saying, oh, look, Charles Leclerc is coming. E- everything will be fine now. Like, hashtag prepare for Leclerc. Oh, very good. Very good, King. Very good. So yeah, I wrote a piece about that. I was like, like guys, have we all like, like just forgotten that like, like just how good Sebastian is for that team right now? And basically, he dragged them out of the dark ages when that 2014 hybrid Ferrari was dog shit. Um, and yeah, as, as Steve points out in the, in the Discord, you can get 11 to one on Charles Leclerc to win the championship right now, which is pretty high. But that's bound to come now. I mean, from what I'm seeing on Sky, about I think Lewis Hamilton's like five to six right now which is like he's odds on which is crazy to even suggest at that point we'll do more of that over the winter for sure but uh for me personally like let's see if charles really is the s tier prospect that a lot of people think he is like i'm not i, I yeah i think he is it's like but he's walking like into a hellhole here yeah yeah he's he's never driven against anyone the caliber of you know, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, Max Verstappen. Well, he's driven against Max Verstappen and come out on top. That's, like, literally the only comparison we have. Yeah, and, yeah, we are, we are dealing with, like, the two best drivers of the last 20 years, basically. So, yeah, well, 
two of the three. I mean, let's not talk about Michael, but yeah, two of the like two of the the best of the last 10, 15 years. So uh, yeah, let's see how good Charles really is. This is going to be the smoking gun. We'll soon find out. And and uh, yeah, I'm not entirely convinced on that one just yet. Totally unbiased opinion, but uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. Final question, again from Andrew Bannister, and he asks, do you think the 2019 regulations will shake up the pecking order much or not? Nah. I, I don't, to be honest with you. Like, nah. Knocking a bit off the front wing is not going to suddenly make Renault a title winner. Like that. Yeah. Like, pe- like, people forget the midfield is easily a second and a half like off where the big three are at the moment. Um, that's not going to be made up in one already made season. that downforce back anyway. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's probably going to make the racing more entertaining. But again, uh, pretty much with any regulation change, generally the people who have the most money are going to be the fastest, and the people who have the most money are already the fastest right now. Exactly. And did you hear the piece the other day about how? Like, Mercedes spent $312 million on their 2017 car. Yep. 312 Good luck, everybody. Um, <laughs> Good luck. This is what we're dealing with here. I, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Like, uh, I'm just saying. It's, uh, whew. It, 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 it's, it's a thing. So, uh, short answer, no. I don't think, all of a sudden, that... Uh, I don't think the regs are going to suddenly shake the whole field up. I think there'll be a couple of moves. I think Sauber will be higher than they end up. I think uh, McLaren will obviously drop a bit because they'll be banking on their car at the start of the year. I don't think they're going to have that many points through the first six rounds next year. But I don't, I don't think there'll be any major dramatic changes that will go. Oh my god, look at this championship now! Um, I, I, I just can't, I can't see it happening in my humble opinion. But yeah, that will just about do it for this week's episode of Motorsport 101. Thank you very much for listening. Places you can find us one more time are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. If you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Fatherlands gets you early access to both of this show and as to show Bike Live. That'll be back for episode 88 later this weekend. It'll be called Arigato Samurai as we say goodbye to one of the true MotoGP legends in Danny Pedrosa and talk about... What was a carnage-filled weekend if you're a fan of teams in orange? Isn't that right, Ryan King? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yes. Uh, history made is KTM had a Moto3 win, a Moto2 win, and according to my notes here, Polar Spagaro on the goddamn podium. Um, yes, that really did happen. All of that in the final MotoGP round of the season at Valencia. Uh, did, I, did we mention it was basically monsoon conditions all weekend? Oh yeah, uh, a lot of shit went down, including uh, Mark Marquez's shoulder twice, according to Neil Hodson. All of that and much, much more on episode eighty-eight of Bike Live. 
this weekend. And if you remember, if you're back at the 10 dollar level, you also get into our Discord where you can listen to the show live. Massive thanks to Brian, Cam, Steve, and Jason for their contributions as always in the Discord server and for listening in live. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And you can check all of that out on our website, motorsport101.com. Don't forget, I've got two new written blogs out there this week, and there'll be a third one. And I'll actually give you a little exclusive sneak preview to this week's post. I'm bringing back Dre versus Dre, and I'll be talking about one, if not two, MotoGP Hall of Famers. More on that later this week. But until then, I've been Andre Harrison. Pleasure to be back as always. They've been RJ O'Connell and Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll catch you guys next week. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Guys, I forgot to tell you about my favorite moment from the Macau Grand Prix. Oh, so, so you know, after the race, they're showing the results on screen. Uh, they were using uh, East Asian name order. Uh, so I wasn't surprised by that. I was expected. But they're running through the order, and they get to uh, they get to Sato Marino, and it, for his country of origin, they didn't put Japan. They put San Marino. I, I don't understand that. I guess it's got, no, it does not have leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Davis is going to run all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's <laughs> going to win the football game. He ran the midfield goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field at night.